You are listening to the Life Coach School podcast with Brooke Castillo, episode number 100. Welcome to the Life Coach School podcast, where it's all about real clients, real problems, and real coaching. And now your host, Master Coach Instructor, Brooke Castillo. Oh my gosh, you guys, check it out. It's episode 100 and I've completely lost my voice. (laughs) I think it's perfect. I'm actually going to an event tomorrow where I'm supposed to be speaking as well. So that should be very interesting. You know, you can still hear me. It's just a different style to my voice. It's just me like flirting with you a little bit, right? (laughs) Anyway, I am so excited about this episode. This is the 100th episode, which means I've been at this almost two years now. I have connected with each of you a hundred times, a hundred weeks. And I just want to say first and foremost, thank you so much for finding me and listening to me and supporting me because this has been a wild adventure and I really appreciate every single one of you and all of the comments you've made at the blog. And I especially want to acknowledge each of you who has written me a review. I don't know if you guys know how much those reviews matter to iTunes, but the more reviews you have, the more they show my podcast to potential listeners because the more positive reviews, the more, the more they think it's good, which means the more people that we reach. So let me just do a quick shout out to those of you who've been listening, who haven't done a review. It's kind of a pain to do a review, but if you go to the, my blog, if you go to the lifecoachschool.com and you go to the podcast, we have a link on how to do a review. I would really appreciate it, not just for me and my ratings, but also for the people who haven't found me yet. If you've gotten some benefit from what I'm teaching, then offer that up for other people. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, so as you know, every 10 episodes, I do an episode on one of my teachers. And I was trying to figure out like who is the ultimate teacher that I could put on episode 100. And I couldn't think of just one. And so what I decided to do for this episode is do the best lessons in my lifetime. And there are quite a few of them, and I'm going to share them all with you here briefly. And hopefully they are lessons that you have incorporated into your life. I've talked about many of them on the podcast. A few of them I haven't talked about before, so I'm hoping that you will get benefit from hearing them here. So let's start with number one, and this is the lesson I learned from my mama. And she always told me, that you can do anything you want in this world. And I believed her. I think that when we are kids, we believe what our parents tell us. And because we don't have much of a choice, we don't have a frame of reference and we don't have much questioning ability. And so she told me that and taught me that and she was right. And I really do believe that. And I've always believed that because she taught me that. And so if that's something that you don't yet believe, you must put the effort into believing that you can do anything you want in this world. I think that our desires are our maps to our destiny. And I don't think we're given desires or wants without the ingredients to fulfill them. And I'm talking about a genuine want. Like when people say to me, well, I could never play in the NBA. 
And I say, but do you really genuinely want to play in the NBA? (laughs) Is that like some burning desire that you have within you? And people say no. So pay attention to those burning desires and pay attention to what you genuinely want. And then know for sure that you can absolutely have that if you want it. All right. Number two, money doesn't make you happy. So my grandfather grew up very, very poor and was very successful in school and also a very successful athlete. He played for Salt Lake City, University of Utah, I guess it was, in Salt Lake City. And he was an all-American, amazing athlete and went on to play for the Detroit Lions back in the day. And uh, one of his football buddies, and he started a business together where they they were engineers and they manufactured diamond drill bits for oil rigs and had a patented technology that was very successful. And he ended up selling that business and doing very, very well for himself. And he still was just a very simple man with very simple clothes. And he liked to eat at Denny's, but he bought all of us stock in his company before he sold it. And so I grew up with plenty of money. My mom never had to work. She had plenty of money. And as I've talked about many times here before, my mom was very depressed throughout my childhood and not very happy at all. And so I really learned that, yes, money was plentiful and abundant and also that it did not have the ability to make you happy because my mom had plenty of money and was not happy at all. And so I think for me, knowing that I didn't have to have money to be happy was really kind of, it's contrary because I think there's a lot of people that believe that if you have money, you will be happy. Now, what I believe is that money makes you more of who you are. So if you're miserable, it can actually make you more miserable. And if you're happy, it can help you express that happiness, let's say more, but it can't take you if you're miserable and make you happy. It doesn't have the ability to do that. Money is, is one of those things that just is a tool. Number three is rely on yourself. That's another lesson that I learned as a child from my mom. She never wanted me to be dependent on anyone for money or for anything else. She always wanted me to be able to take care of myself and rely on myself and be educated and be able to go to work and do everything that I needed to take care of myself. And I really genuinely took that to heart. I could, I was one of those kids. I could not wait to go to work. I could not wait to be able to provide for myself. And, you know, I got my first job, I think when I was 15, I was working at Chevy's restaurant. And even before that, I was always working at the barn with the horses and taking trail rides. And I developed a really strong work ethic when I was very young and I still have it today. And I love working hard for everything because of the way it makes me feel. And I love being able to rely on myself. I know that no matter if something were to happen, heaven forbid to my husband, I would still be able to take care of myself. And if for some reason someone came in and took away all my money and my business and everything, I would still be able to rely on myself and rebuild all of that. It's not something that is external to me. I don't rely on money in the bank. I don't rely on other people to take care of me. I rely on myself. And no matter what happens in the world, I can always utilize my brain and and rebuild whatever I need. And I, I think that's an amazing gift that I've given to myself. Number four is right along those same lines, which is work is good. I love working. I love having a job. I love having a business. I love going to work every day. 
And I love the feeling when I accomplish something and I love the feeling of a hard day's work. And I think that that belief has served me so much in my life. Number five, no is the beginning. I was always taught this through example is that oftentimes people would say, no, there's no availability at this restaurant or no, we can't do something for you. And instead of the people in my family saying, oh, okay, and walking away, we always tried to find another way. And I think that when people tell you no, even if it's a very sincere no, it may just be something that they don't know yet. And I can't tell you how many times in my life not accepting no for an answer has made my life so much richer and so much better. And understanding where people are coming from when they tell you no and being willing to keep working towards the yes, I think is life-changing. Number six is food isn't the answer. (laughs) That was a lesson that was long and hard to learn and well-earned, I would say. I used to think food was the answer to everything. I used to daydream about dying and going to heaven and being able to eat fettuccine Alfredo all day. And that being the ultimate in all things that could happen in life. I used to think that being able to eat whenever I want, whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted and not gain weight was the ultimate in anything you could ever want in your life, more important than anything else. And I learned that that is not the case and that food is not the answer. Food is fuel for your body. And other than that, it's a cheap substitute for life. Number seven, money is easy. I think I learned this along the same time that I learned that money doesn't make you happy. (laughs) Ironically, I was one of those kids that when I asked my mom for money, she'd give me a $20 bill. She never told me that money didn't grow on trees. In fact, I pretty much thought it did. (laughs) And I don't think that's a bad lesson to teach your kids because it it literally does. right? We always had money in our house. We always had money to pay for what we wanted. Money was never an issue. And so, you know, I grew up believing that it was easy. And I I don't think that made me entitled. And I don't think it made me lazy. And I don't think that giving people money and teaching them that it's easy does that. I think that when money's easy, it makes it fun to go to work and make some of it. And I was always able to make a lot of money very easily. And I think part of it is because of believing that. And I never felt like I had to work extra hard or in a painful way in order to earn money. And what a gift that belief has been for me. And I hope that I teach that to my children. I don't want to teach them that they have to work hard for money. I want to teach them that money is easy and that working hard is its own reward and that you don't just do it for money. Number eight, success is yours for the taking. I learned this lesson, I think, when I went to work at Hewlett Packard. And I was around a lot of people who were dependent on their bosses or their yearly reviews for their own success. And I thought that was so silly. I thought, you know, if you want to move up in an organization, you should just find a way and do it. I never followed the rules. I got hired into a job that I had no business being hired into. And I worked hard and I found out what was most important to the people I was working for. And I delivered that to them. And I wasn't afraid to ask questions and 
I wasn't afraid to show them what I had done and, and the work that I had done. And I wasn't afraid to apply for positions that were nowhere in my experience level. And I got them and I was able to move up in that organization very fast. And I feel like I could have kept moving up. It wasn't something that I needed to wait for. It was mine and I went and I got it. And I still feel that way when it comes to my own businesses and the businesses that I've built. Success is just waiting for you to claim it. And I really genuinely believe that. And I think that's true for everyone. I think the only thing that prevents us from claiming success is our belief that it's not ours to take. Number nine, less is more. I think I learned this lesson the most when I sold everything in my house and went on a trip around the country with my family. We sold everything and we got rid of everything in our house. And we have since only added back in stuff that is essential or stuff that we love. We moved from a almost 5,000 square foot house into a 2,500 square foot house. And we have more space in this house and less stuff than we did in our previous house. And we haven't added it. We're not cluttered. We don't have anything that we don't use all the time or anything that we don't love. And it's a very minimalist way to live. And it's really powerful because we don't have a lot of mess. We have a lot of space. We have a lot of room for each other and a lot of room for other things to come into our lives. And I believe that that's true when it comes to clothes. I believe that it's true because if everything in your closet is something you absolutely love, you don't need a huge closet because you don't need room for all the stuff you don't love, right? You just need room for the stuff that you do. And so I love being able to look around my house and lay my eyes on everything in it as something that I love. And so in that way, less in my home has really translated into much, much more. When we bought our house, my mom was like, oh my gosh, this house is so small for you guys. I don't think you're going to be able to, you know, really be comfortable here. And she was absolutely wrong because if you only have the essentials and you make space there for all the essentials and you utilize every space in your home, there's plenty of room. In fact, I think that we have more stuff now as a country I think we have like twice as much stuff as they did a a generation before us. We used to live in smaller houses with less stuff. And I think in many ways, that simplified life is so much better. The next one is thoughts create feelings. I'll never forget when I learned this one. It was a game changer. I'll never forget it. I had been learning a lot about food and I'd been learning a lot about emotional eating and I'd been learning a lot about feeling my feelings and that's very important. But what I realized is that I just felt crappy all of the time and I didn't understand why. And then when I learned the idea that my thoughts create my feelings, first I was a little bit angry. <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me. How come nobody taught me this before? And I really mastered that concept when I studied the work of Byron Katie. She really taught me the truth of that and what that really means by giving me a tool to apply it in my life. And so I will always be thankful to her. And I think that knowing that thoughts create my feelings has really also helped me take full responsibility for my life and for everything that I feel. And that has given me the power to create my own experience in my life. And I I, I will say, I put a little star next to that one. I think that's one of the most important lessons any of us can learn. The next one is a feeling is the worst thing that can happen. And knowing that my thoughts create my feelings and a feeling is the worst thing that can happen 
is so, so reassuring. There's nothing out there that's the worst thing. It's what I'll make it mean and how I will feel. And knowing that I have some control over that gives me freedom and so much empowerment. Even the worst thing that can happen, like for example, losing one of my children, having one of my children die. The worst part about that is not my children dying, but what I would make it mean and how I would feel. And it doesn't mean that it wouldn't be horrible. It doesn't mean that it wouldn't be awful, but the worst part of it would be the feeling and the feeling is something I can create and I can make it much worse or I can make it much better by what I decide to believe about it. And that is the only control we really have in this universe. But the good news is I think it's the only control we need. The next one is I can't control other people. What? (laughs) That's such a hard one to accept. You can't control other people. Other people are allowed to behave any way they want. Even our children, even our parents can't control them. We can try. We can try to manipulate them can try and have them behave in the way that we want, but we can't control that, at least not consistently and at least not predictably. And the next best news is we don't have to. We only have to control ourselves. We don't have to control other people to affect how we feel. And so that's the best news. The next one is alcohol is completely unnecessary. This is one I've just recently learned, as most of you know who've been following along my journey. I just don't have room for it in my life anymore. And I don't have room for the chatter about it. And I don't have room for the decisions to make about it or for the way it makes me feel. It's completely unnecessary. And I I think that's a long earned lesson as well. And one that I'm super glad that I learned and that I'm on the other side of. Number 14, puppies make everything better. And I think really that's unconditional love, right? It's puppies are just in the present moment. They're happy. They're loving. They're wonderful. I can't imagine my life without a dog. Mickey and Zorro, my puppies that we had from right before I had Christian until just last year. We had those dogs for 16 years and my life was so much better because I had them in it. And we just recently got Rocket and Rory. My first dogs, Mickey and Zorro, were Dachshunds and Rory and Rocket are Boston Terriers and they are the joys of my life. (laughs) I was trying to make a point to my kids the other day. (laughs) So funny. And I said, Hey, you guys, because what I was teaching them is how they treat each other affects me like, because I love them so much, right? So I was basically saying, Hey, you know, when you're mean to your brother, I love your brother. So like, I'm all up involved in this in my head. So the way that I approached that conversation, as I said, Christian, I said, tell me, who do I love the most in the world? And he said, Rory. (laughs) So funny. So in love with that dog. So Rory and Rocket are our puppies and they really just, we spend a lot of time kissing them and ooing and aahing over them and talking about their pink little lips and taking them on walks. And I love them. I love puppies. And I think that even if you don't have a puppy, just seeing one, it's hard to just not fall in love with a puppy. The next one, my mom did her best. Boundaries save relationships. And my mom is amazing. I think my mom did her best was a really powerful lesson for me to learn and took me out of blame. I grew up taking responsibility for how she feels and learning how to set a boundary and not take responsibility for how she feels really saved our relationship. And I'm really in a space where I can really appreciate her and and the amazing person that she is and what she taught me and what she has done with her own life. And 
what she's survived and what she's created in awe of her now. And I don't think I would have been able to do that had I not realized that she's done her best. And if I had not set up boundaries, the next one is 50% of emotions are negative and that's okay. I don't have to be happy all the time. My goal in life is to not always be experiencing pure bliss. And if I'm not always experiencing pure bliss, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. That's just really fantastic to know. Number 17 is you can practice your dreams until they come true. What? I didn't know you could practice your dreams. I thought you had a dream and then you either achieved it or you didn't. I didn't realize that you could practice it now and feel it now and experience it ahead of time. In fact, I didn't know that the more you practice your dreams, the more likely they are to come true. So I'm going to be talking about that a lot more in the podcast, but that's just a really, really powerful thing to know. Number 18 is you can make what you want effortless, but you have to work at it. We want being thin to be effortless. We want making money to be effortless. We want being kind to be effortless. And it can be effortless, but you have to earn it. I've given that example of my my student Susie's son learning that unicycle. Riding a unicycle can be effortless, but you have to earn it. You have to earn the right for it to be effortless. You have to put in the time for it to be effortless. You can't expect to jump from zero to effortless right? You have to earn effortlessness. Number 19, brains need supervision and direction. Your brain is just a tool and it does what it's told. And if you don't deliberately tell it what to do, it'll just do what it's always done and it will create what it's always created. And in some ways that may be a really good thing. And in some ways that might be really ill-advised. So recognizing that it needs supervision and direction is really important, especially on a daily basis. Number 20, the more you give, the more you get. There is nothing more true than that. I really do believe that the more I've given in the world and more I've given without expectation of something in return, the more I've given generously and freely with really no expectation has brought me the most in my life. We have a rule that we never lend money ever. We just give it. If we want someone to have money, we give it to them and we don't expect ever a repayment. And we often pay for the Starbucks of the people behind us. We always pay the toll of the person behind us. And, um, you know, the rule is you don't look back. The rule is you just give and you know it will come back to you. It probably won't come back to you from that same person, but it will come back to you. And the more you give from a really genuine place and the more you give your best stuff from a really genuine space and not expect anything in return, you will get more back than you could ever have imagined. Number 21, love is always an option and love is always the best option. Sometimes I don't feel like love is an option. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like only anger is an option or only frustration is an option or only exasperation is an option. But that's never true. Love is always an option. And it's always available to us if we're willing to do the work to choose it. And I'll tell you, I'm not always willing to do that. But I do remind myself that it always is an option. And I love knowing that because love always feels the best. Feels way better than exasperation or frustration with other people. 
Number 22, my past was perfect. My past was for me. It was as if I have chosen it. I love knowing that because then I can love my past and I can stop arguing with it, which is a, as Byron Katie would say, it's an argument you're never going to win. You're always going to lose that argument with your past. So if you can accept it as if you've chosen it, as Eckhart Tolle would say, then you can believe that it was perfect and for you. That is one of the best gifts I've given myself is not believing that anything in my past was wrong. What's meant to happen does. That's true for everything, right? And it's really similar with your past is perfect, right? So I believe that we show up, we do our best, we give everything we've got, and then what's meant to happen does. And you can accept what's meant to happen and believe that the universe is benevolent and that it happens for you. Our thoughts literally create our reality. I believe that. I believe that you can look at your life and believe that it's terrible and find the reality that it is. Or you can look at your life and believe that it's wonderful and find the reality that that's true as well. It's up to you. And not only that, what you choose to think will create your reality. I have so many of my students say, I want to learn how to use my thoughts to create my reality. And I say, hey, here's the best news. You've been using your thoughts to create your reality your whole life. You just don't like your reality. So you just need to change your thoughts. You don't need to learn how to create your reality. You already know how to do that. You just need to learn how to create a reality that you actually want. And in order to do that, you just need to change the way you're thinking. And finally, number 25, everyone just wants to be loved. Everyone. You can look at anyone in your life, anyone you think is powerful or successful, anyone that's miserable and angry, anyone that's happy, whatever it is, everybody just wants to be loved. As human beings, that is our innate desire. And so you always have the ability to give everyone something that they want, to love on someone, to give them what they want. And if you believe that what you give, you get, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be willing to give love and feel love. Everyone just wants to be loved. And that includes you. And you always have the ability to love yourself. That's always an option for you. So those are my lessons in my lifetime, the best lessons in my lifetime. If you guys have ones you want to add, please go over to the lifecoachschool.com forward slash 100 and share yours with me. I'll uh, share them on the podcast and we can talk about them some more. I just want to offer to all of you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you listening. And I'm really, really excited to do the next 100 this has been a wild ride this past couple years doing this podcast with you all. It's completely changed the trajectory of my business. And I am really looking forward to seeing what the next two years will bring. So again, thank you so much. Please write me a review if you haven't. And let me know what your best lifetime lessons are. I can't wait to talk to you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Life Coach School podcast. 
It is my honor to show up here every week and connect with people that are like-minded, wanting to take their life to a deeper level with more awareness and more consciousness. If you are interested in taking this work to the next level, I highly encourage you to go to the lifecoachschool.com forward slash how to feel better online. It is there that I have a class that will take all of this to a deeper application where you'll be able to really feel and experience how all of these concepts can start showing up in your life. It's one thing to learn it intellectually. It's another thing to truly apply it to your life. I will see you there. Thanks again for listening.